everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Big Nerdy Question. Why a very special edition? Well, because all the best comedies have very special episodes. And tonight, our topic is, in fact, comedy. And we have some amazing guests to talk about their uh, web series, My Roommates and Escort. And more broadly speaking, our Big Nerdy Question of the Week. What are the best female-led comedies? We'll be talking about TV and film and looking at those comedies where the ladies take center stage and slay, as Beyonce would say. Uh, but let me introduce our special guests. Uh, first, we have Katie Ullman. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. We're excited. And we have Trish Renone. Thank you so much for being here. Hello. Thanks for having us. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Um, I don't know how it's pronounced anymore. I feel like it's like... If you're Italian, it's Renoni. If you're not, it's Rainone or Rainone or Rayoni. Yeah, I say Trish Renoni. Trish Renoni, thank you for being on the show. And you guys are the co-writers, co-stars, and Katie is the director of My Roommate is an Escort on YouTube. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, uh, which is awesome. But first, we have our regular B&Q panelists. First... JP is on the panel tonight with us. Uh, of course, it's a TV ep- episode. We couldn't do it without him. Welcome aboard, JP. I am so happy to be here. I know I can already tell this is going to be a lot of fun. And you know him. You love him. He kills Jar Jar every week. Say hello to Matt. Well, who's going to kill Jar Jar if I don't? Because Lucas sure as hell didn't. Nope. Jar Jar, the worst attempt at comedy since Lucy tried to go all Ingvar Bergman. That was a horrible. That's just harsh. Yeah, it was horrible. Anyway, uh, moving on. Matthew, who's our sponsor tonight? Well, Josh, tonight's episode is actually brought to us by a new kind of sponsor, a municipal organization. In fact, it's brought to us by the Pawnee, Indiana Department of Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Pawnee Parks and Rec, providing our citizens with public spaces and excessive optimism. Nice. And I hear they have a fantastic hole they're trying to fill. Uh, so... <laughs> If you are in the Pawnee area and are looking for gainful employment, please contact the Pawnee Parks and Recreation Department, care of Leslie Nope. Tell them B&Q sent you. Thank you, Matt, for, for procuring such an amazing sponsor. That's what I do. Uh, speaking of amazingness, as it is tradition on B&Q, we let our special guest make the big nerdy recommendation of the week, which is where we point out a fairly obscure show, film, book, game that... We think you should watch, read, play, or otherwise interact with. Uh, So, Katie and Trish, what is your recommendation of the week? So, we have two. The first one is a podcast out of uh, Saskatchewan called Maple Syrup Shots. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two guys that post it are awesome. And then our second one is another podcast. And that would be Poptternative by PD Beats. Check out at PD Beats on Twitter. Yeah. He's in Ottawa, Canada. Yeah. The we capital. Love- yeah. We love the capital. And then when you were asking about that, I started to reflect on, like, movies and stuff that I grew up on. And then I this weird movie popped into my head. We sing in Sillyville today, and I was having all these weird flashbacks of childhood. Oh. So I figured... Throw that out there. Throw that out there, too. We Sing in Sillyville. Check it out. I'm not familiar with that film in 30 seconds or less. What is that about? The title seems so intriguing. These kids go into their coloring, this boy and this girl, and they uh, explore. And I feel like as an adult, it would be to what? Yeah, we should watch that. As an adult, you'd be exploring an adult coloring book. 
Yeah. So, which you'd you either be like exploring really complex patterns or really filthy things, depending on the kind of coloring book you've purchased. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel uh, like we have just. I feel like we've just stumbled upon one of the indie games that can sell online for five dollars and make a killing. Uh, <laughs> like virtual reality, go inside your coloring book. That'd be uh, really cool. Let's all create. Oh, that sounds brilliant. Love yeah. it. Which I actually did see, uh, someone has released a virtual reality game where you, it's augmented reality where you can do graffiti on your environment, but it's only in the virtual reality, but it stays so that other users can see the tags, but it's not actually there, so you don't get fined. Oh. So it's a interesting way, they're saying it's a way they could, uh, allow for more creativity without having, you know, the cost of cleanup, so we'll see if it catches on. I mean, it's not nearly as visceral as actually pushing the button on a spray paint can, but we'll see. That, that, just, that just seems like asking for everyone's inner 12-year-old to come out. There's just going to be phalluses everywhere. Yeah. Are you to do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I would... No, you're going to have people like, super nerds like us, who go take a message that's completely mundane, like, I don't know, I like kale. Translate it into Klingon ancient sanskrit and binary and then graffiti that on the wall but not in english and have them spend a long time trying to figure out what the hell it means we have a we have graffiti alleys here in toronto and they're like a big thing it's beautiful everyone takes selfies there there's like this little hidden world of graffiti alley yeah and it's just a whole bunch of alleys it's cool yeah check it out if you're in toronto that that is is really cool yeah Uh, i went to uh i went to north carolina state um, we, we actually have what's called a, the free expression tunnel there, which is essentially the same thing. It's just a, a pedestrian tunnel that goes under some railroad tracks, but it, it, it is just everyone is free to spray paint whatever they want to on it, and it gets painted over all the time. And especially after rivals beat us in sports, they paint the team in their team colors or paint the tunnel in their team colors. It's it's uh it's one of the uh the happier things about going there too. So But walking through it, if you just someone just painted, you will get slightly high off of the fumes. <laughs> it's not yeah. well ventilated. No. Good to know. Um but speaking of things that can make you euphoric, let's talk <gasps> about my roommates and escort. Woo! <laughs> uh so you guys are both co writers and uh co stars well I guess first we should tell people so before we get into it because they're going to want to find it and they're going to want to watch all of it 15 times in one day. We like um, you. Where can they find it? So www.myroommatesandescort.com On YouTube, My Roommates and Escort. On Twitter, at Escort Roommate. On Instagram, at My Roommates and Escort. And on Facebook, My Roommates and Escort. So basically, Google My Roommates and Escort. <laughs> yeah. And you'll find it. Perfect. We will and- find the good thing is you'll. this is the only time you can Google that phrase and it'll get something that's worthwhile that is mostly safe for work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. thank, you, thank you for doing that, actually. Made, you made the Internet a slightly safer place. Well, uh, <laughs> woo-hoo, leave it to Canada to bring something a little less bad. Uh, uh, but Yeah, it's a little less bad. It's a little less bad. But so what... I guess, in your words, how do you would you describe the series? So, it's an off-kilter comedy about a small-town girl who lives in the big city and gets a new roommate. And her new roommate's name is Kesha, 
and she may or may not be an escort. And then Kesha consequently ruins Heather, the small town girl from Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. Um, she Kesha ruins Heather's life, and uh, it's supposed to be comedy. <laughs> so we hope you laugh. So um, we do. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, I, we got to represent the Sioux. Yeah, yeah. I do have to say, I don't think I've ever seen such a uh, thoroughly built out set of double entendres. Oh. Very clever writing. Very clever. We both have writing aspirations. Yeah, I I just have to say, my favorite characters that I met on the show were, were the mobsters that you guys that you guys had. Because of <laughs> how intimidating but polite they were, and I, <laughs> what, what, uh, can, can I just ask what gave you the idea for that? Um, well, uh, initially, so Juan Carlos Velas was one of the first cast members we got on the project, mm-hmm. and he uh, works a ton in Canada. He just finished like downsizing with Matt Damon, and he's like, he's constantly, he's that guy who like is in everything, but in, like, supporting roles kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, like, on huge projects. And I've known him for years and have wanted to work with him, so we cast him as one of the monsters. We thought he was perfect. And then, more or less, we were like, who would, who should we pair with Juan Carlos? Um, and we actually had a different actor in mind um, who who couldn't do the part. So we uh, offered the role to Natasha Bromfield because initially we were actually going to cast another man in the, in the opposite role. But we thought like, wait a second, like why can't a mobster be played by an F female actress? So uh, we kind of racked our brains as to who he would sort of pair well with. And Natasha Bromfield, who I've known for years um, came to mind and we cast them. And I think, I don't know. There's just, they're both, like, the nicest mobsters ever. Maybe that's what you <laughs> and, and I don't know, like, you could definitely, from, like, a director's perspective, I think that, you know, maybe if they were scarier, you know, it might have worked just as well or a little bit better. I'm not sure. But I like that they're kind of, like, quirky and uh, off-kilter, sort of unexpected. It's a choice, right? Oh, and it could have right. gone either way for sure. Um, but uh, I think it worked out okay. And I'm glad that you like them because that's something I've wondered you know, I love their performances, but I wonder if there was more of a threat of danger if it would have heightened the stakes a little bit more. So. Uh, it was. It was certainly um, with me. You, you nailed it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any yes. other way. I laughed out loud every single thing that they said. It oh, was okay. so yeah. good. I, I think they absolutely killed it. Yeah. Basically, yeah. what we're saying is, I think there's a spinoff opportunity where instead of the buddy cop, you have the buddy mobster comedy. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Them just going around doing their protection racket in the most absolutely polite way possible. Yes. Yeah. And just I, in, in increasingly absurd yet increasingly genteel ways. I've, I've never seen someone look so non-threatening while pointing a gun at someone. And I think that actually makes it funnier. The, yeah, yeah, the surrealism is, is really well done, which I was Katie, uh, as the director... Um, how do you construct, you know, a, a typical episode when you're putting it together? You already have the script in mind. You have the actors, but like you said, it's a choice. So, what do you, when you're making the choices, what goes through your mind making a, a series like this? So the casting is really big, a big part of the process because, uh, you know, certain people just embody certain things naturally. And then in terms of my directorial style, I really 
wanted everyone to be themselves and be as natural as they could in the roles. Because the story itself is really, like Trish and I obviously co-wrote it together, and it's a very, you know, it's a little bit absurd um, and off the wall, even though I think it, it's grounded to an extent. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, casting is huge. And then the big part of the process for me was in the editing room, especially uh, this show has a bit of a cringeworthy uh, factor with a lot of awkward silences. And I worked very closely with our director or with our editor, Julian Adderley, to emphasize those those cringeworthy moments. Um, so, yeah, with the process and also with the director of photography, uh, Russ Guzzi, who helped me a lot on set because I think my strength is that I work well with actors and my weakness is that I don't know everything about camera lenses and the technical side. Um, so he helped me on that end a lot. Uh, but yeah, it was a very, it was a really fun process, and uh, the actors were great to work with, including Trish, who, uh, can we just say, like, her scene, she just, like, really committed to that, and she literally did, like, what, one take, two takes, and just mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park. Thank so, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, love, I love all of your performance, but that just, like, killed me every day. Yeah, that seemed to be a favorite. I had fun doing that. That was, like, yeah. when I, yeah, that was, uh, that was a... I, I don't want to. I mean, I guess I'm not really spoiling too much because I'm not going to say what it is. But uh, Trish, when you portrayed your reaction to the tattoo reveal, yeah. Oh, you like that? Well, that. well done. Uh, you uh, you portrayed that I, perfectly. I thought so. Thank kudos. You. Oh, thank you. That was a uh, yeah. That was a hell of a thing. <laughs> I feel like yeah, yeah. Uh, I, cool. I don't know how I would react in real life. I don't think I've ever thought about someone getting it. I don't think that would that would never happen. No one would get it. Would it not? Like I don't it, know. It's it a might. Pretty, like, old move. Yeah, like I don't know if I can't even get a date, let alone get a guy to get a tattoo of me. I am so jaded when it comes to dating. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm like the most like jaded. We're gonna work through this together right now. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first, listeners. Welcome to Big Nerdy Dating Advice. Yeah. Does that mean we have to call Ori back in? Yeah, we actually... Okay, yeah, so... (laughs) We can plug something from our first season. We had Ori on, the proprietor of a dating app called Dragon Fruit. It is a dating app made by geeks for geeks. And you meet other like-minded geeks and nerds of various interests. So, for example, you could put in, I'm interested in film... And being on film, making films, and find other people interested in films to go have coffee over while discussing cinematography. Um, so putting so. things like interested in being on film may not be the best thing to put in your profile on a dating app. Okay, Just more specific. More specific than that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we actually had him on last season to talk about relationship lessons in Star Wars. Uh, so, and the most important of those being uh, basically don't be Anakin Skywalker. But yeah, pretty much. So, and I, I, I think it's a good time to transition into our bigger topic. So, I was, wanted to ask you guys, Katie and Trish, um, female-led comedy has always been so, well, not always been, but probably since the '40s and '50s has been incredibly important to comedy more broadly. Um, when you guys think of comedies, female comedians, female comedies that have inspired you, what do you think of? Um. Well, we're like. Mean Girls, um, Bridesmaids, uh, Trainwreck are all recent examples, but definitely dating back to, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore show and Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. Yeah, there's been 
inspiring women along the way. And I think that there's a uh, common misconception that sometimes that maybe women aren't funny or that there's not the demand for uh, female-driven comedies. But I think that that keeps being uh, disproven time and time again. And I think there's, like, space for equal opportunities in comedy for men and women. And I think there's an audience for it. Yep. <laughs> specifically, Katie, as a director, you know, that's almost a bigger problem is the, the dearth of – uh, Hollywood giving female directors much of a chance. I mean, Catherine Bigelow, and there's only a few other female directors that have been given the Hollywood green light, so to say. Uh, so I wonder what your thoughts are on trying to get people to understand that female voices as auteurs, as directors, need to be much more present. Yeah, I think that this is starting to shift, uh, thankfully. And uh, it's funny because just since releasing this web series, I've been approached three directing jobs. Um, Congratulations. Thank you so much. And um, there seems to be a real demand for uh, female directors and that female uh, point of view in creative work right now. And, you know, there's not a ton of women in, who direct comedy specifically who and so I, it's a bit of an it's a bit of a niche, and I think that, but I think that there will be more and more, hopefully, and it kind of the playing field evens out a little bit. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit of a battle, I suppose. But you know, I've been shocked by the opportunities that I've gotten just in the past week. So I think that does uh, inspire some hope. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I mean, the name I think of for female directors with comedy is Penny Marshall. Um, uh, I mean, as far as classic, I mean, obviously she had an importance on, on in front of the camera too, yeah. a, tr- a double threat, much like yourself. Um, but yeah, when I think of female comedic directors, that's that's where I go to because she's yeah. had so many big hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So was she actually? Did she direct Literally No Way? I don't think she directed Laverne and Shirley. I think she directed later on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that for sure yeah. though. Like we start off as actors but then we kind of realize from being on set so much what other areas we want to get into i mean ron howard was in the same franchise and look where he is now as a director so exactly so it yeah mm-hmm. worked out for him yeah so i think <laughs> talking about some of the most iconic franchises uh, or most iconic uh, female comedies uh jp i want you to give you the floor to talk about maybe your favorite female uh driven comedy well, um, <clears throat> I, I, I definitely don't want to jump into the legendary ones quite yet, but one show that that uh, that I and uh, my wife and I actually are both really into right now is on CBS, the TV series Mom. Um, I I was very skeptical at first when I started watching this because I I'm not a fan of Allison Janney personally. Oh, come on, dude. Yeah, I'm awesome. sorry. Yeah, West no, Wing. no, I. I am a fan of her now. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I hadn't checked it out, but I've seen the posters where I kind of thought about it. I, I love it. And it's because the show is so funny. And Anna Ferris also is... is she, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember her from the from the Scary Movie franchise as well. Um, She's afraid to be goofy at all. She just yeah. lets it all loose. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um... It's it's a really good show. It it has a lot of um of Allison Janney and Anna Ferris just bashing on one another. They kind of have the the ultimate love hate relationship. And I but also when when things get real 
they they get heavy and and they have a lot of emotionally moving moments throughout the in, for the entire show. Um, they, yeah, I, they have those tender minutes. I think it's important, like with comedy, comedy to have some. It has to be grounded somewhere, and I, I personally like comedies where there is a heart to it. You know. Oh, this, this is definitely one of those comedies. Right. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't happen every episode. You have to go maybe you know three or four episodes before you have one of those like moments where all you can think when you finish it is just damn. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I my my theory on that, I guess, is that comedy creates a stronger bond sometimes with the characters because you laugh along with them. So, like, I, I'm thinking of, for example, How I Met Your Mother. You know, you oh. you you know where I you may have had a bond with the characters. So when something bad happens, like when like Marshall when his father dies, it's like a punch, I actually choked up when the, that happened. Yeah, it's a punch to the gut. So. Well-written comedy can establish such a rapport between the audience and the characters, and some. Whereas a drama that's just constant tension, 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 sometimes you can distance yourself because it's not like, well, you know, I'm not going to relate to this show where every other character is a secret CIA terrorist trying to infiltrate the country of Kyrgyzstan and blah. You know, that's and, so unrelatable. But a comedy, the situations are real. Yeah, they can be absurd, but they're real. Totally, and, exactly. and I do, along those lines, I do think that at the heart of any good comedy, there is a real conflict. Like, some for your hero character, your, for your main character, um, their, their pain or their problem has to be very real for us to really follow that journey along with them and make those stakes high yeah. in order to like make the jokes work if that makes sense and relatable yeah Certainly. and you guys did a great job of raising the stakes in a very comedic way in, in my roommates and escort so I, I wanted to commend you on that as well Daddy, uh, so. thank you thank you yeah it's interesting because in our series heather's heather's goal is so it is a little bit intangible her goal is just to figure out kesha um she doesn't like in a way, it's like a, it, the character, we want to hopefully develop it more so we can really get into what Heather's like job is and what she's trying to achieve. Um, but ha- her goal of just trying to get to the bottom of her roommate's past or present is really like ridiculous in a way. And also shows that just how overly analytical she is and like just in some ways either confront an issue or mind your own business. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very flawed character. See, I can relate to Heather in so many ways because I overthink everything social in social situations. I really do. So I, I relate so much to that because I'm like, do I? Is this what's going on? Was it not? I don't know, but I'm not yeah, going to say anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that we all do, and I think that she's so she's relatable also because a lot of us, you know, we are non-confrontational and you don't want to address issues because you don't want the fight, whether it's with a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a family member or a friend. We've all been in those situations where we just let it go and we let it go and we let it go. And then all of a sudden, like the relationship implodes and you think, what happened there? I mean, miscommunication in comedy can be really funny, like Three's Company, classic example. Yeah. Uh, or miscommunication can be really tragic and real. Uh, so depending on how the director takes it, right? Yeah, so. you can make any comedy script into, like, a tragic drama as well. 
Yeah, depending on... Yeah. yeah. If you really wanted to, you could take a lot of comedy and make it, because it's always... Somebody... You know, that would be interesting if someone took, like, Shakespearean comedies and portrayed them in a tragic manner. Yeah. What, like kept Romeo the dialogue. Well, no, yeah. take a traditional yeah. comedy like A Midsummer Night's Dream, but portray it so where the actions make it clear that it's a tragedy, and I bet it would actually work. Someone make Midsummer Night's Dream like a horror film or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where, where Puck yeah. becomes like the super monster of the week or something. Like keep the same the same dialogue. Yeah, that works. Or like if Catherine Bigelow had directed Bride's Day. <laughs> like, how would that have been? <laughs> I wonder if Ooh. Have, have her direct Miss Congeniality. See, just, just, just see what happens. Oh, Is wow. That could work. Well, speaking yeah. of things that, that did work, uh, Matt, uh, what female-driven comedy do you want to talk about? So the, uh, I'm going to throw this really far back, and the reason why is because it, it's a TV show, and I felt like it broke a lot of ground, not just on the screen but behind the scenes, and that's I Love Lucy. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh, that and the, and I Love Lucy is actually, without I Love Lucy, there's a show near and dear to your heart, my, my good hosting friend, that would never have happened. And that is Star Trek. Desilu Studios. Desilu Studios was created and co-owned by Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, even though Lucy was the one calling the shots. Lucille Ball personally greenlit Star Trek, the original series. I had no idea. What? Lucille Ball is personally responsible for Star Trek. Wow. Gene wow. Roddenberry shopped it around. No one would touch it. He shot it over to Lucille Ball because he knew she liked really original creative stuff, and she greenlit it. Wow, that's well, amazing. I actually can fill in a little bit maybe of why. I mean, I, 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 I didn't know that exactly, but Lucy... I know that she was actually, she was into a little bit the Roswell stuff, and she actually was convinced that the fillings in her teeth could receive radio frequency. Wait, she did think that? Yes, yeah, she did. Well, I uh, mean, technically they're made of metal, so they can actually receive radio frequency. Yeah, precisely. All doing is vibrating the metal. <laughs> I mean, precisely, but, but she claimed she could, like, hear the news from Japan in her teeth. Uh, so that's uh, that was probably all the peroxide she kept soaking her head in to, to get her hair that color. Uh, but I saw an interview where she was on Johnny Carson where she was talking about it. It's pretty interesting to see. Uh, but maybe that she liked something you know a little bit out there. But I mean, yeah. as far as as a comedian, Lucille Ball changed the game. I mean that that yeah. show broke so many social boundaries let alone the entertainment boundary of having a female-led comedy on television to begin with. Yeah, and the ge the general premise of the show was, in theory, that it was about her and Reiki, but it was about her. It was about her. It's called everybody. It was totally about her. And she got to use her own actual name on it. Yeah, and the thing is, it was the it was the first show produced by Desilu Studios, which means it was the first show to be produced by a female-owned production company. That's pretty awesome. Thank you, Lucille. Yeah, that that's that's a huge thing. I she she started out her show business career as a model and got you know supporting acting positions, and she only had I think like one lead role that got her taken a little bit seriously. 
But n- not until not until uh, 1951 when I Love Lucy came out was she really taken seriously. And, you know, she used a lot of physical comedy, which was kind of unheard of with, with females being involved in physical comedy at the time. And... Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's very much a callback to vaudeville, but in a, a new way, which was amazing. I mean, the, the grape scene, the chocolate scene on the conveyor belt, and those two hold up all the time. My yeah. favorite scene, though, is actually wordplay when she gets drunk and can't say Vita Vita Vegemin, uh, which is, it still holds up. I love good wordplay, and that was just amazingly funny. And the mispronunciations were actually part of the script. None oh. of it was actually her mispronouncing. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh-huh. Thanks for learning all these new things. I'm going to have to go back and watch all of this now. Yeah, so I... Uh, what I want to do, I, so there's so many female-driven comedies, and we're already getting a little close to time. So I want to introduce one of my ideas, one of my shows. I was there's a couple honorable mentions I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, so I I asked some people, um, some listeners, they mentioned things like uh, designing women, and they mentioned, um, sorry, I'm, ah, Murphy Brown. He mentioned Murphy oh, Brown. Oh, Murphy Brown. Um, <laughs> started out as a model as well i wanted to make sure i mentioned saturday night live even though it's not Mm. a female driven comedy in the sense that females are the lead all the time there are female driven sketches that have really stood the test of time and influenced society you know for example tina fey blew us away on that show and when she portrayed Sarah Palin, when even today, when you think when you ask an American to quote Sarah Palin, they're quoting Tina Fey, quoting Sarah Palin. Right. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. So she influenced politics, society. She was the Weekend Update director, anchor with Amy Poehler, and important for you guys, of course, she was the head writer for SNL for so many years. And even today, you see Kate McKinnon and Cicely Tyson and others keeping this, this strong tradition alive that goes all the way back to you know Gilda Radner. Of uh, amazing women on SNL being the voice of the zeitgeist of American culture. Uh, yeah. So I had to mention SNL. Uh, Matt, I think you, Sister Act was one you wanted to get into a little oh bit. Uh, yeah, uh, j- just briefly, since I know we don't have a, a lot of time. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to point out Sister Act specifically because a lot of female-led comedies tend to have especially historically fallen into the trap of focusing on uh, uh, gender roles and gender-related issues uh, as a major focus of the show or film. And the thing I loved about Sister Act is not only is it a comedy starring Whoopi Goldberg and Maggie Smith, yes, Dame Maggie Smith was the mother superior, but it it was less focused on their gender and more focused on their situation, which I felt made it more of a human experience and kind of said, look, this could happen to anyone, and it's just currently happening to people who are women. It could have just as easily been done with a male cast in a monastery, but they chose to do it the way they did. It was executed fantastically well, and really just watching Maggie Smith deadpan the mother superior's lines <laughs> i mean come on maggie smith playing yeah. off of whoopi goldberg is just a thing of beauty whoopi goldberg i loved her in ghost i thought that was like that was my favorite <laughs> yes <laughs> she's so cool in that 
I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting when we see comedies that are just where the comedies derive from the relationship between the women as opposed to a woman's relationship in res- in relation respect to, in respect to a man. And uh, I think that... Yeah, that's we, something that we wanted to focus on, and that's why we did a show about roommates and not, a, like, a show about single women who are out dating, even though it yeah. is, like, escorts in the title. We kept it and, more, like... And, like, don't get me wrong, I love those movies. Like, you know, I like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or, you know, whatever, rom-coms, but there is something to be said for just women... The comedy derived just between relationship... Uh, between two women. Yeah, the situational situ- yeah. comedy. Well, yeah. speaking of comedies that are based on relationships between women, the Golden Girls. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. first of all, uh, Trish and Katie, thank you for being a friend, uh, for traveling down the road and back again. Uh, your hearts you get are one true. more pun on the run. <laughs> your pals and confidants. No, um... And if you threw a party, then invited everyone. Okay, all right. Party next week, but you guys are in Canada. Oh, and I, I have I'm, a passport. So. Well, you're, <laughs> you're invited if you can make it up to Toronto on the twentieth. Woohoo! Thank you. That is is actually seriously my brother's birthday. So unfortunately, <laughs> I cannot. What's your brother's name? Can we sing a happy? Okay. My brother's name is Shane. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Shane. Happy birthday to you. Many more. I just want to point out that we're releasing this about two and a half weeks from now, so <laughs> a little bit belated, but he'll get it anyway. But strangely enough, my birthday is Monday, so that was for me too, so thank you. Oh, I appreciate happy that. birthday. Woo, birdie 30. <laughs> Wow. I didn't know that was the thing, but okay. If I can make a side note real quick. Josh, you have to save the audio of them singing that because I will send that to my brother on his birthday. I will. I will. Yeah. Do it. Do uh, it. I will. So Life gets friends. <laughs> so Golden Girls, uh, I believe, Trish, you said that when you were younger, you went to Universal Studios and saw their house? Yeah, I did, actually. We were on a bus um, like a little bus tour, I guess, and we drove past the house, or what they cheated as the house, like as the exterior, and I was like, oh my goodness, my life is made! <laughs> I was really excited. I wouldn't go join them for... Well, it would be cheesecake on, on the lanai, right? Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I think Golden Girls, it's, like you said, it's relationship comedy between four women, although... With Blanche, there's a different man every week, but, you know. Yeah, she was a little, I wonder if she was an escort or if she was just, um. (laughs) The original My Roommate's an escort. (laughs) She just couldn't find the right man, that's what it was. I Uh, I don't It's it's a struggle. (laughs) But there's also, in that show, there's honesty, there's breaking many stereotypes, they were breaking, they're very progressive for their time. And and that's what they like LGBT, for yeah. example. So. Um, yeah. One yeah. of the things that I thought was extremely important about Golden Girls is that they they were the first television show. And I don't mean just like comedy or female art. I mean, it was the first show on television to actually head on address AIDS yeah. and HIV. Yeah. And they took they grabbed the bull by the horns 
and they made it very clear a this can happen to anyone it's not just a gay thing it's not just uh, this thing or that thing this is a serious public health issue that yeah. needs to be dealt with as a health issue yes yeah comedy has the ability to, to handle real issues like we said earlier and they Golden Girls did a fantastic job with dealing with so many issues. I remember an episode that stands out to me is when Sophia befriends a man at the beach in the boardwalk who ends up having Alzheimer's and forgets her after a while. Oh, and it's just, they, on. they they don't say the word Alzheimer's until the very end of the episode. Oh. But it's just the portrayal of how even a relatively a relative stranger can be so affected by a disease so brutal uh and yeah. they were in a unique position since they had an elderly character to to deal with something like that uh, yeah that really is such a like it happens to so many people and it's so like it's like it's one of the scariest things that can happen to a family member and i think as a artist part of your you know responsibility in a way is shining light on issues and perspectives and you know, you, you have the opportunity to voice your opinion, when it, whether it's, you know, political or it has to do with a health issue or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And, and you can do it in a comedic way, you know. A, a, many a truth is told in jest. Yes. Nice. Certainly. That's a lovely quote. Uh, but I do want to transition to our last uh, show, our last show or film. And, and uh, JP, it's no accident that it's another Betty White show. Um, but Betty White in a very different role. And I think you wanted to introduce us to the Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I thought I, I was going to say hot in Cleveland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also good, also good, but, you know. Oh, everything that Betty White puts her hands on is is gold, though. Um, yeah. What, what can I say about Mary Tyler Moore um, that hasn't been said already? Not not much. It, it it was another step in a series of groundbreaking female-driven comedies that paved the way, that changed the way that women are viewed on even the most basic societal level. And Mary Tyler Moore became a symbol for so many things thanks to that, but not the least of which was a symbol of, of feminism. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, just to, and just to have a woman, a, a story, a show about a working woman yeah. at that time, uh, and it was re- was revolutionary and groundbreaking. It, it and, certainly was. Because she went from a housewife in the Dick Van Dyke show, a very assertive one, but a housewife, to yeah. being a, a leading lady on her own right uh, yeah. as a working lady, uh, a reporter. So not only... You know, a working woman, but someone who is a societal influencer, someone who can change the way people think. Uh, and you know, that, and, that, and that had classic to. line. Yes, the classic line: "You've got spunk, I hate spunk." Oh but in my reality, goodness. the uh, she had to have that kind of spunk to get through a situation like that. So have changed you. so much, yeah. Um, and they, they did not go easy on her character over the life of the series. They they really let her have it with uh, the chauvinist boss. The, the chauvinist anchor, Ted, Ted Baxter. Ted Baxter, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. I feel like yeah. Ted Baxter and Dan Fielding from Night Court would be like the most lecherous pairing of friends in the history of television. 
<laughs> Absolutely. But, I mean, beyond the show, I think that she was just seemed like a lovely person and a, a insightful, positive, positive individual, mm-hmm. you know? She had that big beaming smile. And she was also, there was, like, no ego to her. Very self-deprecating in a way, which is also, I think it's um, healthy to to keep that, no matter how much success you it, it reminds me in a way of another leading lady we lost recently carrie fisher in the way that she oh. self-deprecating in all the right ways and kept a <laughs> even through very dark times when she's talking about her her experience coming out of drugs she was yeah. always had a humor about it and kept the the positive side on life so same thing with mary tyler moore it's just a shame we've lost them both so recently but they were both incredibly significant yeah i think you have to find um I don't know. I guess I've learned, like, women I look up to are funny women, like my grandmother who really passed. I look up to women like that because life is tough. So if you can find humor in it and express that through art, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll make a bold statement that uh, in a few years' time, you'll have people looking up to you for that reason. Oh, oh that's really so sweet. kind. And you as well. Well. Mm-hmm. Kudos to you guys for getting yeah. I, I, tr- I try to be a funny woman, but it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anything you do that you love, it, it shows, and and it, you really love. Well, well we the hardest part for Josh is doing it all backwards in high heels. Well, that's by doing it our degrees that way. So we'll see how that works out. And I have to walk uphill both ways to my recording studio. In the snow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you'll have, you'll have great calves. So. Oh yeah. That's all you need in life. Oh, I have calves right now. Our our elevator at my workplace has been out for three and a half months. Oh, wow. They're still not done putting the new elevator in. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, man, I got out of that place. And I, I carry forty, I carry 30 or 40-pound boxes up those stairs every day. Oh, so you're in the box business. Oh, box business. Oh, oh. oh. And we went there. <laughs> it all yep. comes full circle. Indeed. You're on it's, It all comes full circle. It's the circle of life. Just call us Mufasa. Yes. When I get really tired, I will break out into songs. So usually late at night or early in the morning, I ask my coworkers. They actually pointed out to me that they hate. My roommate's a Canadian <laughs> Idol. No, uh... <laughs> yeah. Do they have the equivalent of American Idol in Canada? Just out of curiosity, or is it just the... Canadian Idol? In my year high school yearbook, I said that my goal in life was to be a Canadian. Really? Be on Canadian Idol. Yeah. I was like one. <laughs> I'll sing for the world. Whether they like it or not, they'll have to listen to me. Did you ever audition? No, I lived in Sault Ste. Marie. Too far? Yeah, too far. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're just telling me they didn't do auditions in Sioux? They missed the biggest talent pool in the country. They, no, I'm a terrible... It's for the best. Seriously. It, it really is for the best. I just... <laughs> I don't know. Singing makes me happy, so I, I sang a lot growing up. And I, I sang in the mall one time in Sparkle G. Performed for oh. You yeah. were Robin Sparkles. Yeah, I I liked singing and I made like a little music video and stuff. I don't know. Very it's, good. Yeah, Very my good. dark past. I was terrible at it, but I I thought I you know it made me happy. So you got to do what makes you happy. Trisha's really good at like we did karaoke together and she really commits. I just oh get, yes. <laughs> Can we just get like a? I knew there was like a reason a why series. I liked you. Can we just get like a web series of you guys in character going to a karaoke bar? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
do that we, for sure in character. We, we haven't done it in character yet. Yeah. That'd we, be really fun to watch. But we can redo okay. it in character. We'll go out sometime within the next couple of weeks when we have a free night in our costumes, and um, we'll record something for you guys. We'll send it to you. It'd be fun. That's uh, awesome. Katie and Trish, uh, again, the, the series for our listeners is My Roommates and Escort. And you guys need to watch it now because it's awesome. It's not that big of a time commitment. Uh, it's certainly less than watching one of the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> certainly faster. Uh, like and, most things in life. <laughs> and more things happen in it. So uh, kudos <laughs> to that. Uh, but it's on YouTube and other places. And as you can tell from this whole show, people behind the camera and behind the script are amazing, uh, so give them support. Uh, so do you have any final thoughts, Katie and Trish, on what our audience would... Um, I don't know. I just, I really want to thank you guys for having us. We really appreciate you taking the time, and um, just congratulations on all your success. We'll, we'll be following you as well. Well, thank you. We, we certainly try, and I, I should say it's a nice segue. We weren't saying it, but in the past few weeks since we started Season 2, we've had... A major download spike. We have now we're over sixteen thousand lifetime downloads. Uh, so yeah. it's it's still not much. It's nothing compared to my room. It's an escort, but we're yeah. getting there. And we we have uh, we've have confirmed listeners on every continent except South America and Antarctica. So if you know people in South America or studying at McMurdo Station in Antarctica, please tell them about our show so we can we'll fill in the map. We will. <laughs> we'll tweet to them. Yeah. To- yes. Let's get all of Antarctica watching my roommates in escort and having strange ice-related puns. Yeah, we can come and visit them there if they watch. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe we can come shoot an episode there. Of course, yeah. the, their web series is My Roommate's a Penguin. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to play um, a penguin video game. Some It was actually called Antarctica when I was a kid. It was on one of those like NES 250 game games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best game on the 250 game game. <laughs> was that the one where you had to like slide the penguin on the ice? Oh, it was so much fun. I love it. Yeah. Good time. And of course, penguins are always ready for a formal event. They are. They don't have to worry about renting a tuxedo. So yeah, they're the best prom date. So maybe that's where we need to go for dating. Exactly. Well, if we were, if I knew we were going to talk about penguins, I would have had Rachel come on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Antarctica, um, the residents of Antarctica might be insulted because. It, if people were to talk about beaver in Canada, we'd say, hey, we're more than just beavers and people are up. So, that's, that's true. <laughs> There's, although, to be fair, the wildlife in Antarctica is much less diverse than the wildlife in Canada. Right. Yeah, that's true. We also have moose. And grizzlies, right? I think there's grizzlies up there. Yeah, I had an Australian exchange student in high school, and she got extra life insurance before coming to Canada because her mom was afraid she'd get eaten by a bear. Wait, 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 wait. Australia? From Australia? <laughs> the yeah. land of gigantic yeah. spiders and snakes We're and all things deadly? We're eat you. Yeah, and Sarah Henderson. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, uh, good day. No, um... So thank oh, no. you very we have, much. We, we have more business to attend to, my friend. Yes, hey. yes I know. So, Max, hey. kill the Gungan. Well, Josh, tonight it turns out that Jar Jar Binks fell onto some pretty hard times after realizing that he had been in episodes 1, 2, and 3. And no one would hire him. So he, he just kept falling down and had to resort to a life of crime. And one night he chose to burgle an apartment. 
And upon breaking in, he discovered that B. Arthur was inside, and her Marine Corps training kicked in, and his Gungan neck was immediately snapped. Jar Jar killed by B. Arthur. I knew that character was rather mod. Oh. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I give it two and a half rumps. I'll take it. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, thank you, JP, for being on the show tonight. Absolutely, and I gotta say, this was the first time that uh, that that Josh actually let me, you know, be in the house when we had company, and I <laughs> I, I had a great time. <laughs> These were the best guests that we've had on our show yet, yet and okay. and I, no, it's, it's it's been great. Yes, and thank you, Matt, of course. Six Simper Gungan. <laughs> and thank you, Trish and Katie. We look forward to much more success from you. And if you ever want to talk anything nerd, the door to Big Nerdy Headquarters is always open. Thank Amazing. you. We'll come be your roommates if that's the case. Yeah, you'll regret Woo! this. <laughs> <laughs> My roommate's a, a Canadian comedian coming this fall to you. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> than our show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much all you guys for listening and this is Josh tune in next week for our special interview with E.C. Ambrose to talk about her novel until that time we bid you good day <laughs>